Welcome to the Coworking Out Loud podcast, an exploration into storytelling, community, and the art of being human. Welcome to episode 10 of the Coworking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Kat Johnson. From all the rainbows in your social media feed, you've probably figured out that we have hit Pride Month. And out here in the Bay Area, it's a big deal. We have rainbow flags flying from restaurants and bookstores and houses and street lamps. Everywhere you go, there are LGBTQIA-friendly displays of books and t-shirts and, and all the things. It's um, It's kind of drifted into marketing territory, but it's cool. I'm happy to see it. It's always, um, it's nice to have a celebration of life and diversity that the whole community buys into. But I think it's super important to remember that the early pride parades were really different. And the people who walked in them, the people who marched, sometimes just a tiny handful of people were so fucking brave and so strong, you know, putting themselves in the middle of the street, literally, and saying, whatever you think of us, that's not what we think of us. We're proud. We're here. We embrace our lives. We embrace ourselves. We embrace our vibrant, beautiful, crazy, rich community I forget about the kind of the pioneering people and then I'll read an article or see a photo of like three people were walking in a pride parade in the early days. And it's a good reminder that things have not always been how they are now. One of my 20 something year old friends who's straight, she and her friends, it's a huge deal for them to go out for pride. They all get decked up totally fabulous. They get exploded in rainbows and wigs and boots and shorts and the whole thing and totally celebrate pride in San Francisco as a way to show support for the community, but also because it's the biggest party in town. I mean, the San Francisco pride celebration, which is one of the world's greatest, biggest, craziest, wildest, most fun things Um, It's insane. It goes on for days. The parade itself is like exhausting. It's like six or seven hours long. You just can't even believe it. Back when Shandy was probably five or six, we took her to a San Francisco Pride Parade, and I think she took a nap somewhere in the middle, but her comment was, there sure are a lot of butts in this parade. But it's so cool to see my young friends and older friends, everyone embracing Pride, and I love that it's a celebration. And I love that for a whole generation, and maybe just a new way of being for kids, it's totally a non-issue, right? It's it's where the party is. It's where everyone is. They don't have that thing about like, oh, that person's gay, or there's some big block around it, or homophobia seems to just be like a non-issue with an entire generation of people coming up. And I love seeing that. And even it's so different from my experience coming out in the 90s. Um, I was 19 when I realized I was gay, and the whole in that moment, I remember the exact moment 
I had that realization and it was like everything shifted into place. It was like I had been wearing 3D glasses where things kind of overlapped and I, I didn't feel quite like I fit in anywhere. And once I realized what part of that disconnect was, I was like, oh my God, like my whole life, I felt like up to that point fell into place. And I was living in Grand Junction, Colorado at the time. All of a sudden, that small town started feeling really small. My mom was out here in California at the time. And so I would come out and visit San Francisco and visit Santa Cruz and eventually made my way out here. But before I moved to California, I had a stop in Salt Lake. I was staying with my dad for a while. And I don't even know if I was out to my family at this point. Maybe I had just started telling like a, a couple of people but I was sitting in my dad's basement and it's like you have this huge breakthrough awareness like this, this all of a sudden your whole sense of self shifts into focus and then it's like, now what? And it was not at all how it is now where you could loop into people through social media or find like young groups of queer kids or whatever. It just wasn't like that at all. I remember sitting in my dad's basement I grabbed the white pages and flipped to gay. I was like, I, I didn't even know where to start. It sounds so crazy now. So um, simple, ridiculous. I don't know, but I didn't even know where to start. I didn't know anyone. And so I, there were a couple of resources like, and the gay, whatever. And one of them was um, a resource center. So I don't even know if I called that afternoon. I may have procrastinated out of fear for a little bit. But when I did call, this woman answers the phone and I'm like, so um, pretty sure I'm gay and I just want to meet some people my age, connect with people. Like what I was looking for was like, now I had this whole other dimension of myself and I wanted to find my people. I wanted to find that place where I belonged. I wanted to find that place where I didn't have to think about whether or not I was going to come out to this person or not, right? I wanted to find that group of people where I could just relax and start exploring this new dimension of myself. The woman's response was, well, most of us hang out, we meet at the bar, at that point, I had probably had a couple of fake IDs, but I was like, I'm 19. I was still two years away from even being able to legally go to bars. That's the part that's so crazy to me. Like there, there wasn't anything for me to loop into. It's like we were on our own totally. So, um, you know, you meet one person and then, then they introduce you to their friends and then they introduce you to their friends and pretty soon you have this, this um, little community, this little network, this little set of connections while you're kind of figuring out this entire new world that, for me, I had never even considered, right? And it's like all of a sudden I'm defining as something that I don't even know if I understood or had ever been exposed to, not in any kind of um, authentic way. So that search for belonging was so, I think it's um, maybe primal. It's just such a big part of who we are that we want to find 
the people who help us understand ourselves and help us kind of make sense of the world in that way. I remember the first dyke march I went to in San Francisco. There were so many people, so many people. And there are DJs playing like every block or half block. There's another DJ with these huge sound systems and tons of people. Everybody's dancing and partying. You just like squish together. And so it was a little crazy, a little fun, a little wild. And um, then we started actually marching. I'll never forget this moment, to be honest. So we're going up the San Francisco hills. So up a block, up a block, up a block. And at one point I turned around and looked back behind me. And as far as I could see, probably like four, five, six blocks down, it was a sea of lesbians. Up until that point, I had felt pretty like you know, you're happy if you find one person at your work who's also queer, or you have like one distant relative who's also queer, and you feel like you can make that connection. So to turn around and see like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who make you feel like you're not a misfit. I was, I was seriously crying. My eyes were, it was more than crying. I feel like I was moved to my very soul with a deep, deep sense of okayness and belonging and, and community. And, you know, certainly I didn't connect with, but a few people there, but just being a part of that, that massive sense of belonging was so profound. I will never, ever, ever forget it. There's such a power in feeling like you're not alone and in feeling like you can just be accepted for who you are. There's a lot of momentum right now around diversity and inclusion in co-working. And Juicy UK is partnering with an upcoming inclusion event in London. There's a new Facebook page focused on inclusion and diversity in co-working. I'll link to both of those in the show notes. But we as a global co-working community, we have a lot of work to do. Our communities are very white and while I've never felt like, hmm, how do I want to say this? I've never felt like uh, I've been judged or out of place in a co-working space ever for being queer. I also have never felt um, like that could be a core part of how I connect with people, or at least a part of how I connect with people. To be honest, in my home co-working space, I don't even know if anybody else is gay, if they are um, we've never talked about it or connected about it. I imagine, I mean, there are hundreds of us, so yes, some are, but it's not something we've ever kind of connected about. And I don't make a point of surrounding myself with queer people. I just make a point of surrounding myself with people, and some of them are queer, some of them are not. I like having a huge diversity of people around me. I like learning from different people. I especially love hanging out with people who I don't have much in common with at all. But it would also be nice if I felt like that was a part of who I was in co-working. I don't know. This is, I'm still kind of feeling this out in my mind. Like It's not that I want a queer co-working Facebook group or something like that. Um, maybe it's just a matter of like, calling things more to the surface or maybe I need to be proactive and I think I missed it for this year but like 
just asking at next space, like, is there anyone here who wants to march as the queer contingent of our co-working space? I don't know. But I think it might be nice if we call some of this stuff to the surface. Like, it's, I don't, I don't think it's just enough to say we want to have a diverse, inclusive community. It's like we have to go out and make that happen, right? Because the default in co-working is if we just open the doors and say everyone come in, then the majority of the people are going to be white. So we have to do a better job of outreaching and finding people. If we really want diverse communities, it's not enough to just say we love everyone, even if you absolutely do. That's been my sense of co-working all along, that people really are open and inclusive and welcoming, and whoever comes through the door is brought into the community. Inclusion is so simple. I think kids are really good at it, but it's also really complex and nuanced, and how to create a sense of inclusion and create a welcoming vibe toward everyone in your space we have some work to do and I would love to hear some really practical tips. I'd love to be able to share some tips for other space operators who really want to make this part of what they do. So I have a, an ask for you. Will you email me cat at catjohnson.co? And if you're doing things that are furthering inclusion and diversity in co-working in your space, Tell me what they are and tell me how you do them, even if it's just a sentence or two. I'd love to round up some ideas for people to at least start getting a little more proactive about how we can consciously bring more people into the fold and call up and celebrate our diversity. I guess that's what it's trying to, what I'm trying to get at. Like, it's not enough to just say we like everyone. It's like, let's call out our differences and let's celebrate those differences. Like let's, let's look at the rich tapestry it creates, not just say now we're just all the same as members because we're not, we're all having totally different life experiences. So let's own that and let's love that. And let's have hard discussions about how we can be more inclusive and diverse. And I'm coaching myself here too. I don't have all the answers. I, there are things I would like to see, and there's a lot that I don't even know how and where to get certain conversations started, but I feel like we have momentum around this as a global community. And um, there's something there. So let's, let's keep going. So hit me up, send me your ideas. I'll share them either in a blog post, or maybe we can do a roundup over at the Coworking Content Alliance group on Facebook. So let me know what you're doing. Give me your super practical tips so we can share them. I think the big picture here is that we want to feel like we're not alone. We want to feel like we can connect with people authentically and that we don't have to hold back certain parts of ourselves for fear that they won't be accepted, right? I think that's what a true sense of belonging is, where you can set down your baggage and have people accept you flawed and all, right? It's like if we're fronting as perfect, we're doing it wrong. I think the most important thing we can do is connect with each other in a real way. Let ourselves be vulnerable with other people and show people the things that make us different from them. I think there's a tendency to try to connect in the places where you're the same, which is only natural. And then as the 
as friendships and relationships develop, it's like, let's, let's let those nuances, let's let our whole selves out instead of saying, staying in that one dimension where we feel like we're the same as the other people, because that can come off as really exclusionary to somebody who's not that. So there's a lot here we can talk about. I'll end with this. Take care of yourself. And as my grandpa would always say to me and shout, take care of each other. Hope you're well, and I'll talk to you next week. I'm a little bit